Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so we have been trekking through the Apostles' Creed. Um, brothers, can, can one of you real quickly give us a, a defense of why we should look at creeds and confessions? I think it provides protection um, from error. I think it, it gives us a sense of identity with our other brothers and sisters in, in the church. We're going to talk about uh, the Holy Catholic Church, the Universal Church today. This is a way to identify those that are within that, that broad church. Um, but it also is, is a source of, of uh, a teaching tool of saying, what, what are the absolute essentials of the faith? Um, it doesn't teach us everything that we believe, but it, it does highlight um, the big things that we need to believe and I think then by extension need to emphasize. Right, and it's broken down in that Trinitarian formula. It gives us the identity of God, namely that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then it tells us the works of God. And so we are on the third part of the Apostles' Creed uh, where it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in a holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. So one of um, our listeners had asked us a question specifically about this phrase. What does that mean, the holy Catholic church? What do we mean when we confess that we believe in the holy Catholic church? We need to understand that the creed was written before there was a Roman Catholic church. And these things predate the, what we think of in, as Catholicism. But so the word Catholic means universal, uh, as Russ has pointed out, even in just the last few minutes. This is we're talking about a universal church. We're talking about one church. Phil, oftentimes he says he will ask how many churches are in the Treasure Valley. And he will point out that there is only one. And we're talking about one church, the body of Christ. Mm, Very good. Okay, so I believe in a holy Catholic church. What's the relationship of the church to the Holy Spirit? Why is that line underneath the heading of I believe in the Holy Spirit? What's the significance? Hmm. What, well, what we're saying is that the Son of God through his Spirit and his Word has uh, gathered out of uh, all humanity one church. Um, the, the, the relationship is that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to Christ, who, um, and, and he is the spirit of truth that we read out in the Word of God. Well, and also, you know, a cynic could, a cynic could read the creed here. I believe, <clears throat> I believe in the holy universal church. And a cynic could say, hey, look, I have some experience of the church, and it can be, it can be really unholy. Right. Uh, it's it's full of a lot of flawed people. Well, well, yes, absolutely, it is. Uh, we are made holy because the Holy Spirit has imputed to us the righteousness of Christ. Uh, we're not holy in and of ourselves. 
um, there, there is no holiness in Phil Moran other than what's been imputed to me, the, the gift of the righteousness of Christ that's been, uh, that's been imputed to me, sealed to me by the Holy Spirit. So when we say we believe in the, the, in the holy Catholic or that small c, worldwide, universal church, we're holy because of what Christ has done for us, not, not because of any goodness or holiness in us. I think there's this connection between the spirit and the church, and I'll let, let my brothers here jump in if I, if I go off the rails. How's that for inspiring confidence right out of the chute? <laughs> we'll be ready. Um, the, the work of the Spirit throughout the Scripture is the work of, of creation. So um, the Spirit was involved in the initial creation um, along with the Father and the Son, but it, there's always this sense of that the Spirit's work is to create or, as the, the storyline of Scripture went on, to recreate. And so what you see here is that the Spirit is creating a new relationship um, or new dynamics. So I believe a, a holy Catholic church, it's the Spirit that brings about the work of, of regeneration, um, of creating um, out of a dead, fallen humanity, new life, holy. I mean, the whole point is that it will be sanctified. Um, a Catholic church, communion of saints, this is a... Uh, a creation of uh, this new community that we're now a part of. Um, the forgiveness of sins is, is a new relationship. Um, we were estranged to God, now we've been forgiven, that we've been brought into communion with him. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, this is, is a, a creation of um, a new destiny and a new um, really sense of fulfillment that that what we should be outside of the regenerating work of, of the spirit is dead. No hope, no future. Um, but no, instead we're going to have a resurrected body and life everlasting. So I think it's this whole idea of the uh, creation or recreating work of the spirit. Right. And, and when we think of church, the Greek word for it is ecclesia, which means, you know, it comes from the, the word called kaleo and, and, Eck out. We're called out ones. We we've been called out of this world, um, and we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son. And holiness uh, is referring to that the the notion that we've been a set apart in this way. We are we are uniquely set apart uh, unto. God, so He can call us those that have been sanctified or set apart in Christ Jesus. He He calls us uh, holy ones, um, set apart ones. That's who makes up this body of 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 the church. That's right. So then the Apostles' Creed goes on to say, "Then I believe in the communion of saints." Now this is something I think is is so profound. I mean, the church is the greatest institution on earth. It's greater than, than of course, you know, the institution of government. It's greater than the institution of, of marriage, as, as wonderful as marriage, marriage is. Marriage points to it. Right, marriage points to it. it it's, it's, it's more glorious than the institution of, of the larger family, the nuclear family and extended. It is the communion of saints, the common union that the saints have together because of their union with Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's even, 
it, it even goes beyond that because it is the, the unity of Christ's body is a miracle. It's, it's a miracle of the work of the Holy Spirit that binds us together at the heart. The communion of, of saints also means that that unity extends to those who have already gone on and are with the Lord, that we have a continuing unity with them, almost a continuing relationship with them. You know, we're not to try to contact them or to, we're, we're not to try to communicate with them, but we share a bond in the spirit and we're going to be reunited one day. Uh, this is why, by the way, this, this belief in, in the communion of saints, this is why at one time virtually every church had its own cemetery and people were buried in the churchyard. Uh, you, could, you could look right out the window of, when you were sitting in worship on Sunday morning. You could look right out the window and see the graves of your loved ones right outside. And it was to symbolize, to signify the continuing relationship, the continuing bond that we have with those who have gone on and that we're going to be with them reunited someday. Mm. I think this phrase is is vitally important in the church today because there's just such a, a strong sense of individualism and this whole idea that no, we're not um, saved solely for us to be in union with Christ. But as we are in union with Christ, we're in union with all of God's people, not just even the ones within our own church, our own particular church. We're in union with all of God's people, like Phil was saying, those that have gone before, those that we are currently in the world today, and those that will, will come after us. And we need a greater sense of that it's not about me, um, and even the giftedness of the Spirit, the, the gifts that we receive from the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, are given for the strengthening of the body and, and for service to the body, for the communion of saints. And we tend to make it about, well, what can I get out of church? And I, I think if you look at the uh, main teachings of the Word of God, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, um, when you talk about the giftedness of the Spirit, it's always with regard to the, the need to serve and minister and strengthen and and help the the communion of saints. First uh-huh. Corinthians chapter 10 is pointing to this um, union and communion that we have with one another and it does it through an understanding of the Lord's Supper. It says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And it's reminding us that we're all, we all partake of the uh, treasures and gifts uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, hopefully we can get this last phrase on here for the day, which is, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen. Much needed. Yes. Um, maybe, maybe we should try to close in the scope of what this means. When, when, when we say we believe in the forgiveness of sins, how total and absolute do we mean? What, what do we mean by that phrase? Do we mean just the forgiveness of our sins before we come to Christ? Do we mean the forgiveness of our sins right now in this present day? Or do we mean the forgiveness of our sins for all time? Christ paid the penalty for all my sins. He was my substitute. He, he, 
He died for the sins I have committed, will commit. Um, and, and because he's done that, because he's the complete satisfaction before God for those things, you know, I am assured that God will never remember those sins against me ever. If they've already been paid for in Jesus Christ, he's not going to punish them again in me. Mm. Some of these truths that we confess in the Apostles' Creed are to remind ourselves of truths that we would often forget. So when we confess that we believe in the communion of saints, we're confessing that it's not about me, it's not about individualism. But when we confess that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, one of the things that we so often doubt in the Christian life is whether this particular sin or that particular sin could truly be forgiven. And we struggle with our sense of guilt and our sense of dirtiness before God. And, and, and one of the truths that we're reminding ourselves is that through the ongoing work of the Spirit within our hearts and lives, we have not only been forgiven, but it's ongoing that we are being forgiven over and over again for the sins that unfortunately on this side of eternity will continue to commit. Yeah, and, and out of joyful gratitude for my forgiveness, and out of the just the freedom and peace that comes from knowing my sins have been forgiven, I am to extend part of what I'm saying when I say I believe in the forgiveness of sins is that I'm called to extend forgiveness right. to those that have wronged me, uh, that I'm to forgive even 70 times 7 because the forgiveness given me has been so abundant, mm-hmm. more than 70 times 7, as Jesus, as Jesus said, um, all you men of humble heart, forgiving others, take your part. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And of course, Jesus connected the forgiveness of sins to, I'm sure you had this in your mind, Phil, to loving one another. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Mm-hmm. And those who have been forgiven little, love little. And that's not at all a, a denial that everybody's a great sinner, but it, it's the recognition that you can recognize that you're a great sinner or a small sinner, and that will affect mm-hmm. deeply the way that you mm-hmm. love others. Yep. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that uh, we will be able to see you tomorrow.